Hi there, let's talk sports fans. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Let's Talk New York Jets. And I'm joined today by YouTuber and legendary Jets voice, Green Bang. Thanks for joining me again. Green oh, Bang. yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I'm happy to be here. I always look forward to chatting with you about the highs and lows of the New York Jets. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot's happened since we last talked. Uh, obviously, Seth Wilson has made his debut since. Um, but um, I guess the first place to start, what have you thought of Robert Sala's start to the season? Uh, because this is maybe um, it's an important fact, but I don't really get talked about how he's um, doing. For me, I'm still on the judging stage people forget he's also a rookie coach so to me i know some fans want to think he is the answer but i'm still in my appraisal stage um there's a few things i'd like to see him work on like his clock management isn't the greatest but i think that will come um i think there's several positives but i still think we won't see the true head coach Robert Sala will be until maybe midway through next year. Right. Well, I, I think that's a good way to look at it. You know, before we hired the coach, when we when we let go of Adam Gase, everybody shared their opinions, which kind of coach they thought they wanted. Do they want somebody with experience? Do they want a young up-and-coming coordinator or something like that? And for me, what I really wanted, I wanted a guy named Matt Campbell from Iowa State. And the reason that I wanted him is because he had turned he had already turned around a program. Now it's not an NFL program, it's a it's a college program. So there's some negatives with that. But I wanted somebody who had been a head coach before. I also liked Fitzgerald out of Northwestern. And we chose to go a route as an organization, which we've done many times before. The Jets have actually hired significantly more rookie head coaches than we have experienced guys. Um, so when we did that, you have to take your expectations and you have to put them in the proper compartment, which is this man, Robert Sala, this guy that we hired, we hired him on potential. He has never done this job before. And granted, you know, we're still hoping that, you know, a rookie head coach can put it together fast. We had that experience with both uh, Eric Mangini. And Todd Bowles, their rookie years, they did very well. Ten and six, Mangini made the playoffs and all that. And it so it does happen. At the same time, both of those coaches collapsed the next year. They were not able to keep up those high expectations. And it was really kind of a happenstance uh, type of a year. It was very, um, you know, it was kind of just fortunate that we did that. So when you look at a rookie head coach, most of the time they're going to make boneheaded mistakes. They're going to, they're going to be confused. They're going to, they're going to make the wrong decision. They're going to think they are making the right move. And then with hindsight, maybe they would do it differently. Um, and that's what we chose to, to, to sign on for. Not only that, and I know that we'll get to this, but we've added a rookie quarterback, a rookie offensive coordinator, a rookie defensive coordinator. We've added uh, seven other starting rookies, uh, a couple second-year players. So we chose as an organization to really do this, what I like to call the hard way. 
you know? So when you make that choice, like you can't make a decision to take apart your automobile. Okay. There there's an issue in here and I'm just going to go ahead and take it apart. You can't decide to take it apart and then be mad the next day when you can't drive it. You already know what you've chosen to do. So I like to look at it that way. We, we, we chose to take the engine apart. And it's going to be a few days before we figure out how to fix the issue and get it back on the road. And that's where we are. Now, all of that said, I can't tell you I'm happy with the results. I, I just can't. As a fan, I'm not really happy. I would like to have seen our defense play a little bit better. I would like to see maybe a little bit more progress from the quarterback position. But overall, a lot of this is kind of what I expected. There are some negatives that I think could have been avoided. Uh, but overall, I think, hey, what we're watching is the experience of a rookie head coach, rookie coordinators, rookie out, you know, rookie quarterback, and on and on and on. And it's pretty much it would be very unsuspecting, unexpected if we saw anything different. So I still have a lot of faith in him. But like you said, this evaluation period, you think the word you used was the appraisal period. I think yeah. that's fantastic. I would agree with that. Yeah, um, I agree. And I also think one thing, I don't think he truly got um, what the New York market was like. Just a few comments recently. I don't think he quite gets what the New York fan base is like and i think he's just getting to know that and sometimes it takes him by surprise new york is a very unique uh, place and i know he's uh had a couple of years in san francisco but it doesn't it's not quite the same feel as new york so i think he maybe underappreciated that a little bit as well Oh, yeah. New York is definitely not the same as anywhere else. The only place that I would really uh, compare it to is Philadelphia. That's the only other place that is quite as intense as New York. And then within New York, New York Jets fans tend to be a little bit more on the intense side, even for that market. The New York Jets fans are a little bit crazier, a little bit more intense, a little bit louder, a little bit rougher than the Giants fans. With no disrespect to Giants fans, but Jets fans seem to be on, on that side of things, even within a very intense New York market. And I like to say this all the time. What Robert Sala or anyone else, even Joe Douglas or whoever, whatever you did to succeed in Baltimore or San Francisco or Seattle, that's not going to work here. You can't just think that what worked over there is going to work for the New York Jets. We have years, decades of just heavy, heavy failure. We have bad luck. We have the Jets curse. We have all these things that we need to overcome. And just like Bill Parcells, like Herm Edwards, like Rex Ryan, they brought high levels of intensity. And that's what we really need. And I think Salah has that in him. He's just trying to figure out uh, how, what, like, who is he as a head coach? Really? He's trying to figure out who am I as a head coach? Am I the intense guy? Am I the CEO? Am I collected and calm? And I think that we'll start to see him uh, come more into his own as he gets more games under his belt. And maybe after this first season and he can take some time and evaluate his decisions, I think into the next year, we'll start to see a little bit more comfortable Robert Sala. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I think it's going to be intriguing how it plays out. Uh, this brings us 
on to Zach Wilson. Um, he gets, to be honest with you, probably the most heat of all the rookie quarterbacks, as surprising as that sounds, given he wasn't the first overall for me. Um, I think it's a little bit of um, harder on him than we maybe appreciate. Just I think some of his struggles is based on the strength of opposition. I don't think the game's quite slowed down for him, but he's had his um, good moments and bad moments. But I sort of expected that. I guess the one thing what has some Jets fans like sort of panicking is some of his issues is similar to Sam Darnold's issues. I think it's too early to say that's going to be a problem, but I guess the one concern there is Sometimes he just doesn't see the easy check down. But one positive is that he can certainly do that sort of deep ball. Uh, that's probably one thing he does well. But I think there is signs that he's maybe uh, getting what he needs to do. It's just um, doing it because you can see it going through his mind while he's playing no, I mustn't do that. And if you look closely at him, I think there is reasons for optimism, but I think it's going to take longer than a lot of Jets fans ideally want. Well, it's a funny thing, you know, uh, pre-draft, when, re you know, you can recall during last season when we realized that it wasn't going anywhere, a lot of Jets fans were behind something we called the tank for Trevor. Right. A lot of people wanted that number one overall pick and we wanted to take Trevor Lawrence when the Jets won their first game against the Rams and we lost out on Trevor Lawrence. A lot of Jet Nation was upset. We were really mad. And then when it looked like we just weren't going to get that first overall pick back and we were going to lose Trevor Lawrence, our focus really turned to Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. And Zach Wilson very quickly became the darling of most New York Jets fans, most. And they were saying things like, this guy is a hybrid of Aaron Rodgers and uh, Patrick Mahomes. They were predicting 4,000 yards and all this sort of, lots of excitement. But the truth is, is that he's coming from a type of program where number one, the, the competition was nowhere near what he's seeing right now. Number two, he rarely faced pass rush. He had the most time to throw of any of the quarterbacks that were taking in, taken in the first round. And this is something where when you look at how he's performed in the NFL, when he started this season, Remember, he was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. His offensive line was in shambles. He had the most drops. So even in addition to his struggles, the team was not there yet. The offensive line wasn't there yet. The receivers were confused. So this is what happens when you have all these people and so many rookies with the rookie head coaches all trying to figure out at the same time. Now, Zach Wilson really would have done well to go to a team that was settled and kind of not be a part of all that madness. But this is the situation that he's in. Now, he's shown really great flashes of brilliance. The, the, the Titans game is one. The Eagles game, the end of the Texans game. He has shown these flashes that he is a, an, an incredibly talented kid. But like you just said, he doesn't seem to have the game slowing down for him yet. And that's because he's up here. 
when you when you can't make a three or four yard screen pass, you throw it into the dirt. That's because he's trying too hard. That's what it is. The guy can obviously make a three, five yard screen pass. We know he can do that, but he's nervous. He's thinking he's trying too hard. And these are the types of things when you have a guy with the work ethic and the, and the mental fortitude that Zach Wilson has, I honestly believe that while I'm also disappointed, I think I'm not really concerned yet. I think he's in an appraisal period too, but I think we got to give this guy time because he really was put in a very difficult situation, more difficult than anyone else except for Trevor Lawrence, I would say. Trevor Lawrence's situation, that's that's an ugly one down there in Jacksonville. I don't know what's going on uh, down there. But, uh, you know, I think Zach has shown – that he's talented, that he's respectful, he's a blue-collar, hard-working type of player, and his character is not in question, but it does look a lot like the issues we saw with Sam Darnold, and that's freaking a lot of people out, and I understand it, but I haven't lost faith in Zach Wilson yet, even though I am a little bit disappointed. Yeah, um, I agree. I think it's just going to take time, and we should have expected it. We've got a rookie um, head coach and a rookie offensive coordinator. Whereas I think the last six weeks or so, Michael LaFleur's actually done a very good job play calling. There's still that um, rookie experience from all of them. So to be honest with you, could, should we have expected anything else? I don't necessarily think we will. I think the biggest, um, it'll be interesting what Zach looks like after that second off-season coming into next year. It's going to be interesting because uh, maybe Salah and the floor will have found their feet and be more comfortable in their own skins uh, as they get to know the job better. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that's, that's exactly how I see it. You know, everybody wants to see the guys that we use a number two overall pick or the head coach that we sign after a, you know, a nationwide head coaching service. Of course we want to see these guys come in and be great. That's all we want as Jets fans. All we want is for these guys to just be competent. That's all we really want. We want to see the team be competitive, but the truth is just like you said, I think this year is immensely valuable. Uh, they're learning by making mistakes. They're 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 making the mistakes now. They're and like I said earlier, they've chosen the hard way rather than incrementally just feathering this guy in and feathering that guy in. They just went full tilt. Throw all the young guys in. We'll figure it out on the fly. And they've chosen to do that. Now these guys like Zach Wilson, like Elijah Moore, Michael Carter the first, Michael Carter the second, Bryce Hall, Javelin Gidry. Brandon Eccles, they're all getting their playing time. They're getting their rookie season under their belt. And that is so valuable going into, like you said, their second offseason together. They're going to come on the field for the second year in the same system. We haven't seen that in forever. We haven't had the same guys coming back in the same system in a long time. And the majority of our guys, these young guys, are going to be here for a little while, a few years, and that's when we're going to start see, seeing the progress. And I think Zach Wilson's going to absolutely benefit from that. 
getting to know his receivers and trusting his offensive line. Don't forget, they betrayed him. Those first three games, he had 15 sacks. He was the most sacked, the most pressured, the most hurried, and his receivers had the most drops. So that's not a great way to start your career in the NFL. So you got to, he's, you know, that trust has to be earned. He's got to trust his receivers. You got to trust his running backs, his offensive linemen. And this is all going to happen with time together on the field. Yeah, and Audrey, and that's all brings us to the rookie class you just mentioned uh to be honest with you um yeah, let's be honest it's been uh the results have been far better than joe douglas's first rookie class uh, i mean it's um to be honest hit after hit um a large affair attacker looks like everything we hoped he would be a larger more michael carter michael carter the second doesn't get as much as maybe some of the other rookies but the biggest compliment you can give him is you don't notice him and that's normally a good sign from a slot coin and even someone like Brandon Eccles um, I think he's definitely an underrated season and you've noticed a little bit of how good he is because you noticed well he's being out injured so um, to be honest with you I think this is looking like a very good graph class from Joe Douglas Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, hit after hit. So we took the first four picks that we had in the 2021 draft class and we used them on offense. That surprised me. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought there would definitely be a linebacker or a cornerback or somebody up top of that draft. So they went with Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore and Michael Carter, the first. And those guys, outside of Zach Wilson's struggles, the other three look like absolute hits. And like you said, Michael Carter and Brandon Eccles later in the draft, they look like hits. Even if Eccles doesn't end up being our starting outside corner, he's proving that he belongs on an NFL field. So if he's our, our dime package corner or he's just depth or whatever, you can feel confident that the guy coming in is competent that he's able to play if we choose to upgrade or maybe we just go again and let him get his second year under his belt but those guys look good and in addition to that we have guys like jamie and sherwood who was going to be the starting linebacker he tore his achilles and we unfortunately lost him the the remainder of the year but sala and albrecht were very very high on jamie and sherwood in addition to him we have a i in my opinion the steal of the draft for us is hamsa nasraldine we got him in the sixth round he was being talked about as a second or third round pick we got him in the sixth and he was always going to be a guy that took a minute he's very raw switching from safety to linebacker but his talent is undeniable so there are other guys sitting in the back just because we have all those guys up front, the other guys that are in the background, those are fantastic pipeline guys that we have coming on. And I still have a lot of faith in the 2020 draft class. It's really unfortunate what's going on with Mims, but I happen to like Jabari Zaniga. I happen to like LaMichael P. Ryan. Uh, whether or not this staff ever uses them, I don't know. But these are guys I think do have talent and can be an impact, you know, impact players for us. So, um, but this 2021 draft class, man, it looks pretty good. And if Joe Douglas can stack another draft class in 2022, like 2021, we're going to have a really good chance 
of getting out of this basement that we've been sitting in for so many years uh, rather quickly. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting. We ain't got the guys there in all the positions we need to, but if he has another draft cross anywhere near like this year's one, we will have pretty much the guys we need. So that's going to be interesting. Um, in regard to Denzel Mims, I know he's um, a player you are a very big fan of. It's quite interesting. Um, I said on my show last week that I believe the talent's there for him to be successful in the NFL, but I've come to believe it probably won't be as a New York Jet. There's just something. Well, I believe there's something. We don't know whether it's just the coaching staff don't rate him or they feel they don't like his attitude. There's something else to the story. And I do believe there's still talent there, but um, he's had a few opportunities. He hasn't necessarily grasped it. And when the coaches don't like you, you've got to take those opportunities. So I think it's got to the stage where I wouldn't be shocked if he's moved on um, in some way in off-season. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate. As you said, I was a very big Denzel. Well, I still am a big Denzel Mims fan, but coming into the, into the draft, Denzel Mims was in my top five wide receivers. And the fact that he was slipping is a very normal thing. I mean, it happens every single year, the year before DK Metcalf and Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas slipped to the second round. Lots of guys always slip that are very, very potent wide receivers. And I thought, finally, a guy slips that should have been a first round pick and it's our guy. And I, I saw that talent that I saw in college last year as well. I mean, I think he made some incredible plays. He showed that he's got a lot of potential. And for whatever the reason, this staff doesn't really feel confident in him or they don't like him, like you said. And I do believe, I agree with you, that there's something there we don't know. I don't know what it is. We can draw our own conclusions. We could say he's got an attitude problem or he's lazy or, or whatever it is. But he's never had those knocks before. Nobody's ever said that about him. Not Matt Rule, not the Jets last year. He's, uh, he's very well thought of. So it is what it is. I've been really hoping that he would just get a full game. Stick him in there. Just let him work through the mistakes. He comes in for two plays. He makes two mistakes, and they pull him. And like you said, unfortunately, when you're in that type of a situation, when you get those limited opportunities, you got to make good. This is your moment. And he was unable to do that. And that's on him. That's on him. So I think that this staff has made it pretty clear that they don't think all that much of him. And if we can get some draft value, a third, you know, whatever. Joe Douglas has been very good with trades. So maybe he can get his original second round pick back if somebody's in love with Denzel Mims and they think it's just the Jets are the problem. Maybe he can do that. But if we can get a third round pick or something like that for him, I think that the Jets should probably take it, give him an opportunity to have a career. And then we can take a guy that we're going to use as opposed to just letting him rot on our roster, not doing anything. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting. And another thing I wanted to get um, your opinion on is the O-line. Uh, for the most part, outside of right guard, the play's being very good after the first month of the season. And that's why the running game's been so good, because the O-line 
has uh, been doing their job. Um, what's your opinion being on how the O-line's held up this season? Wait, I'm sorry. I lost. What's my opinion on uh, on what I lost um, you right at the end there? Uh, okay. Um. Basically, um, the O line outside of the first month of the seasons, um, done pretty, um, well. That's some of the reason why the running games being pretty impressive outside of right guard, in my opinion, and everyone else has at least been serviceable. Uh, what's your opinion being on O line's performance? <laughs> Yeah, well, this is one of those those places on a team, the offensive line as a unit. People have to remember that this is a five-person unit. So it's not it's not one wide receiver, it's not one running back or a quarterback or whatever it might be. This unit, in order for the entire unit to play well, to be effective, five separate guys have to work as one. Now, none of these guys played together before. You remember, even in the preseason, uh, AVT was hurt. Uh, Becton was in and out of the lineup. George Fant was hurt. Morgan Moses was getting feathered in. So they had all these issues. These This particular line didn't play together until week one against the Carolina Panthers. And it's a new system and everything. And like you said, those first three weeks, it was terrible. So people remember that, and they just kind of don't let them come out of it. They just think Connor McGovern is garbage, uh, Greg Van Roten needs to go, and all that. And they don't really catch that since then, Connor McGovern has been playing top 10 center football for the most part. He has the last six or seven weeks. He's been one of the top 10 centers in the league, even getting as high as six, if I remember correctly, the sixth best center in the league. That's pretty, that's pretty good. Hold on one second. Can somebody get the dog? <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, that's fine. So I think I'm really happy, particularly with the play of George Fant. I mean, George Fant, when Joe Douglas signed him in free agency, that was right after losing out on Jack Conklin to the Cleveland Browns, and everybody thought George Fant was a panic signing. Joe, uh, Joe Douglas overpaid a guy who shouldn't even be a starting tackle, and, and since then, he's played right tackle for us very well last year in 2019, and even better at left tackle this year in 2000, or I'm sorry, 2020, and then this year in 2021. And you can't be... Uh, happier with with George Fant. I mean, you think about it. He's only given up one sack in the entire year. That's incredible. That's incredible. So or, or it might even be no sacks. Forgive me if I got that wrong. But George Fant has been incredible. AVT, Elijah Vera Tucker has been everything that we could have hoped. And he's still going to get better. Don't forget, he's a rookie too. He's making mistakes. But you can see the talent. It's all over the place with that guy. And then Connor McGovern, like I said, has been playing top 10 ball. And Morgan Moses has been very good as well. I think that since we made that trade for um, uh, Duvernay Tardif, LDT as we call him, uh, the line was doing really well with him in there. He did get injured, and we don't know what that's going to be. But I think right guard is still the one position where we have some concerns. But I got to tell you, I'm really happy with the progress of this offensive line. Zach Wilson 
has 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 really done some things that like holding the ball too long and made some mistakes like that 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 get you know those those uh, stats get attributed to the offensive line if he gets sacked or whatever but i think the offensive line as a whole has done a good job coming around the mountain and I think if we do add a little bit of talent, maybe we draft a right guard or maybe we draft a center and move Connor McGovern over to right guard. If we do that and this offensive line having a whole year under their belt playing together in this system, we're going to see one of the better offensive lines that we've had here in a very long time since the 2010 season, I think. Uh, and I'm really I'm very happy with their progress and I'm hopeful for their growth in the future. Yeah, um, I agree. I agree with you about um, the level fans been playing at. I'm mainly the player we talked about last time. I've I've always said, um, based on the results we've seen, uh, George Fant is Joe Douglas's best free agency signing. I mean, I think we all know how we think Lawson will work out, but until we see that result on the field, I think it really is George Fant his best uh, free agent addition yeah i agree and that's what i was saying like people really were upset when joe douglas missed out on jack conklin and then signed george fant on the next day i think it was i think it was the next day joe douglas signed george fant people went nuts who is this guy he was a tight end for the seattle seahawks he's never started as a left tackle blah 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 and look you can't i can't say that i wasn't concerned either but this is one of Joe Douglas's finest free agent pickups. And if you look at Joe Douglas's style, he's he told us he was going to build through the draft. That was what he said in his first press conference. He said, I'm going to build this team through the draft. Now, that takes years to do. So a lot of his free agent signings were one-year contracts. We see these guys, and everybody gets all up in arms. You know, why is he signing guys for one-year contracts? Well, because he wants to build through the draft, but he needs guys to play. So he's bringing a guy in for a year until he can replace him in the in the draft. But with George Fant, that was somebody that he committed to right off the bat. So that Joe that shows that Joe Douglas had a lot of confidence in in George Fant's ability to play. And uh, and look, it's you know he's given us. Uh, rewards for that commitment. And I think George Fant is, is, is a guy I would really try to keep around. He is ours for next year. We have him under contract for next year, but I think I would mighty, I might even consider extending him uh, and, and keeping him around the New York Jets because we don't know what the situation is with Becton. I feel I have a lot of confidence in Becton. I'm not really worried, but in the event Becton is an injury prone guy, having George Fant around is not a bad consolation. And maybe we move back into the right side or whatever, but it gives us options. I think George Fant uh, has proven Joe Douglas knew what he was talking about with that. And uh, and I think George Fant's worthy of keeping around here for a while. Yeah, I agree. Um, the last um, question I wanted to ask you is, I know we're a ways from the draft, but um, do you feel like... Um, we're likely to see a bit more defense-heavy uh, draft, similar to how we went offense-heavy um, this year with defense. Obviously, there'll be some exceptions, um, but is that how you feel? Yeah, well, you know what's cool is this particular draft happens to be strongest on defense 
up up top of the draft. So if we're going to have two first round picks, right? And it looks like, thankfully, Seattle's having a bad year. So we're going to have two potentially high first round picks. So that gives us the opportunity to grab the the you know the blue chip players in what's strongest in the draft and it just so happens we have needs at edge at cornerback at safety at linebacker we have legitimate needs at those positions so i think if you're smart the way that a general manager should approach the draft is taking what the draft is strong at you don't want to just reach for needs and a lot of the time that'll burn you so i think what joe douglas is more than likely going to do knowing that the draft is very strong at edge up top it's very strong with linebacker up top there's a there's a safety up top that's could potentially be one of the best safeties to come out in 20 years in Kyle Hamilton so i think it's more than likely uh, going to end up being that we grab our first blue chip edge rusher that we have since John Abraham. I think we're going to get one of those guys, whether it's Thibodeau, Hutchinson, Karloftis, uh, Ojabo. I think we're going to see one of those guys come to the New York Jets. And I would not be surprised if we grabbed Kyle Hamilton, that safety, um, because we have a dire need at safety. Shh, 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 shh. Hold on. Hey. Sorry, man. Is uh, is there, there's a whole world around me here. Here, let me let me show you. Look, so I got a. It's like, I got a whole. There's a whole world around. So I apologize, um, but I think that it, it would not surprise me if Joe Douglas took that generational safety as well. So I think that we're we're probably going to go defense up top, and then in the second round we'll grab maybe. Uh, an interior offensive lineman and a tight end or a cornerback uh, in that area. But I would be very surprised if we grabbed any offense up top with our two first round picks. And I think that's the smart way to go. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, the only way I can see it being any different is if that Seattle pick just falls down a few places uh, more and if there's not that playmaker they want in the secondary, it wouldn't surprise me if they don't, if the best receiver is available, maybe add the extra mm. X factor to offense. But that's the only way I can see it being offense. Right. Like think about if we, let's say we get a, a really sweet trade offer. So if we're at pick number three, let's say, and somebody comes up and they want to draft a quarterback, Matt Corral, and they want to give us a fur, you know, their first, or they're at pick six, just a hypothetical. So they, they want us to slide back a few spots, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, even. And they want to give us next year's first, a second this year, and a second next year to move up. We take that trade and we slide down, and those blue chip edge rushers and safeties are gone. I think I would agree with you. I wouldn't be surprised to see us grab an Olave from Ohio State or one of the other receivers that are up there. I think that would be the most likely scenario. If we do go offense, it would be a wide receiver or maybe Tyler Linderbaum if we end up sliding back. Or like you said, if the Seattle pick ends up in the mid-teens, then I could see them doing that. But if we stay up top in the two, you know, two picks in the top 10, I'd be very surprised if we didn't go defense with both of them. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, 
And that just about wraps up um, today's episode. Other than to thank you for joining me. But is there anything um, you've got going on with um, your channel you want to promote what people should check out? Yeah, well, number one, I want to say I'm, I'm really grateful that it worked out. I was, I'll tell everybody, I was very nervous before the show that my internet wasn't going to work. So I'm really happy we were able to do this. And again, thank you so much for having me on. I always enjoy uh, chatting with you. Um, but yeah, I'm having a contest on my YouTube channel right now. I'm trying to get up to 5,000 subs by the end of the year. So all you have to do is go to Green Bean Jets Fan on YouTube, subscribe there, and then go to my other channel, Full-Time Coaster Tour on YouTube, and subscribe there. Once you do that, you're in the contest. Two winners will get a, uh, a t-shirt of their choice from my GreenBeanJetsFan.com merch store, and one grand prize winner will also get a t-shirt. They'll get some stickers, and they're going to get a Manscaped Ultra Smooth package. So again, all you got to do is subscribe to my channels, and you're in the contest, and I'll pick a winner the day I get to 5,000 subs. Yeah, and I encourage everyone to check that out, and I will treat out a link to Green Bing's page so everyone can check it out. And um, like I say, thanks for joining me, Green Bing, and I'm looking forward to the next time we talk. Amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, and thank you to everyone for watching, and until next time, let's talk sport. Thanks. <laughs>